0: Whenever you run into a tough time, woohoo, isn't this great? Is that how you take that? Am I all alone in this? So why don't you stand with me, please, in James chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 1 through 8. Of James 1, and then normally I pray and I say you may be seated, but this morning I'm going to pray and I don't want you to sit down because when I'm done that, we're going to quote together and we'll put the words up for you, we're going to quote together the Lord's Prayer. So let's do this, James chapter 1 and verse 1, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of James. and It's a blue-collar book. It just plainly speaks what is true. Of course, your whole word does. But The book of James, for me personally, just seems to be so relatable when we think about our Christian life and our faith and our exercise of it, some of the trials that we go through, and the privilege that you've given us to be able to ask of you things that by faith we know that we can receive. So Lord, as we look at another message on prayer this morning, I pray that we would be people of prayer, that you would teach us to pray, that we would make it a regular part of our lives and we would never stop praying. Bless this service in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so remain standing, and we're Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 15, uh, thirteen is the Lord's Prayer, or what it's called as. And so let's say this together. Here we go. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Terrific. You may be seated. Thank you. Obviously, that is, we know that to be called the Lord's Prayer, but the Lord didn't need to pray, forgive us our sins. Jesus never sinned, so obviously that is a prayer that he's saying, you folks need to remember these things, but certain things of him, he was, he was a man of prayer, and it would seem to me if Jesus himself, God in the flesh, with a perfect relationship with his heavenly father, nothing between his soul and the savior, felt like he needed to pray, how much more should you and I feel the need to pray then our Heavenly Father who led us in such a great example of that. Last week we started our series on prayer. We looked at the model prayer of the Lord's Prayer and Jesus said, when ye pray say, our Father who art in heaven. To be a Christian you have a dad, a Heavenly Father. There's no such thing as a fatherless Christian. As a Christian with the heavenly father, you also have a family because we all share the same dad, our heavenly father. So we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family. Families don't always get along. You'd think when you walk into church, all problems would be over. Well, you know what? This is not a perfect room. If you think you found heaven on earth, then your heaven's kind of strange, because this is not heaven on earth. But I'll tell you that what, I'd rather hang out with this crowd right here than anywhere else in the world. I love you. I know you folks love me. Doesn't mean we always get along, but after a while, you'll come around to my way of thinking. So that's family. And then obviously, to be part of a family, to be a Christian, you have to have asked, the Bible says that, obviously, we ask through prayer, that if you'll confess with your heart, with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, there has to be a confession. That's that prayer where you say, Lord, I believe, and ask for forgiveness of sins, and we make him the Lord of our lives. And I'll just, I won't belabor the point this morning, but I'll tell you this. If you are a Christian, or say that you are a Christian, You say you prayed the prayer, which is wonderful. I think you need to do that to become a Christian. But if there's been no change in your life, there's no fruit in your life, and you still love the world as much as you ever loved the world, I have a real problem with whether you're a Christian or not. You can say, well, Stan, that's kind of judgmental. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And if there's no new things in your life, then you need to have another conversation with the Lord about whether you belong to Him or not, because there's a great change, as the song says, since I've been born again. And if there's no change, hello, Dolly, something has gone wrong with the relationship that you have, if you ever had one. So there's a big change, and um, we celebrate that change. As a member of God's family, it's a privilege to contact Him in prayer. It is my opinion that a relationship with Jesus Christ is founded on faith. We walk by faith, we talk by faith, and without faith it's impossible to please Him, as it talks about in Hebrews chapter 11. One verse in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now I'll be the first to tell you that the Christian life is a crazy thing. I'm going to say that again. I'll be the first to tell you that the Christian life is a crazy thing. The Apostle Paul said himself in 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to unto us which are saved is the power of God. Let's face it. We pray to someone we've never seen. We do things that friends and family don't understand. There was a time in my life when my father didn't even want to speak speak to me. He was so upset with the decisions that I was making in my Christian faith because I wanted to pursue the ministry, and he wanted me to pursue the family business, and he was not happy, and he couldn't understand why I would do such a thing. If you follow the Lord, there's going to be times where you will be misunderstood, and the family will say, what in the world are you doing? It'll seem crazy to them. Friends and family don't understand us. We pray to someone that we've never seen, We're on a trip trip together to a country that we don't get to until we leave this earth. And we do all this with the claim that we have not lost our minds. Now, not to get sidetracked, but who's really lost their minds when they say love is love, but they don't know what love is? They say science is real, only to deny the science when it doesn't fit their narrative. They say a particular life matters, and I won't name the life. And as if one life mattered over others, well, I want you to know that all life matters. Life is precious. God created it. He gave it to us. A man in an insane asylum wrote of the love of God, and he said this, written on the walls of that insane asylum, "'Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made?' Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. And I just want to say, as someone has said, if that is insanity, oh, blessed insanity. And if the world wants to call me crazy, you go right ahead, because I am insanely happy in my craziness following Jesus Christ, Amen. So here we are this morning, prayer starts by faith, faith in God, say that with me, faith in God. I was uh, at a checkout counter a while ago, it's been quite a while now, and a cashier was uh, taking my merchandise and she had faith tattooed on her arm. And obviously anytime you want to talk about faith, I like to talk about faith, I believe in faith. So I said, I see you have faith on your arm. Who's your faith in? So, said, well, my faith is in myself. And obviously, I did not respond to that. You know, this at a checkout counter isn't a real good time to get into a deep biblical dissertation on faith. But I'll tell you what, if your faith is in yourself, you're going to be sorely disappointed. And it's going to happen real soon. Because I don't know how many times I've let myself down in some of the things that I thought I could do. When the Bible talks about us investing our faith in something, it's not a faith in our own ability... It's not in faith and positive thinking, although being confident is extremely important. I think we should be confident. I'd rather be around someone with their glasses half full than their glasses half empty. I'd rather be around someone that thinks they can do something than goes around and says, I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. So they sit on the couch all day and, and smell like stale potato chips. It's not... That's not my idea of someone I want to be around. I want to be around someone that's fairly confident, but our confidence is not in ourselves in Christ. Our confidence is in Jesus Christ and God Almighty, that He created us, that He put us here, that we have a reason for living, a purpose in life, and by God's grace, if He'll allow us and if He will help us, we want to accomplish the goal that He has for us. My faith is in God Almighty. Say that with me. My faith is in God Almighty. That's our faith very important that we exercise faith so someone would say well you can have faith in God how do you even know he's there well I think there are several reasons and I won't I won't go into detail on all of these but I believe I believe in God because I have a copy of his word and this book is phenomenal We talk about it every Sunday. Hopefully you're reading it through it. We challenged you at the first of the year to be reading through this book this year. And many of you have taken us up on the challenge, and I salute you for that. Thank you. You will never be disappointed in reading through your Bible. I believe in God because of His Word. I also believe in God because of creation. Uh, it's just incredible to me as you look out the window and you see the trees and the ground and the stars and the moon at night and all of those things and you see the Grand Canyon and, and it, it, it mystifies me how they say the, the river running through the Grand Canyon happened over billions of years and that's why it looks like it does, well okay, so if a river running through an area over billions of years carves out the earth, why isn't the Penobscot River in a big canyon? Why isn't the Missouri in a big canyon? Why isn't the Black Stream in a big canyon? See, it wouldn't be quite as deep, but it seems like it would be there. Where are all the other canyons of the world? I'll tell you why there's a canyon in the Grand Canyon. Because one time, God said, I'm going to curse the earth, and it's going to be a flood. There's going to be a whole lot of water, then there's going to be a whole lot of mud, and then there's going to be a whole lot of sediment, and all of a sudden that's going to happen in a very short period of time, and if you apply the biblical model to what you and I see, it makes a whole lot more sense than all the billions of years, and the monkeys running around saying, that's my great-grandfather. That ain't happening, okay? I believe there's a God because of his word, because of creation. I believe there's a God because of changed lives. You know, where people are in the business of changing lives. One of the things, if I, was, if I wasn't a preacher, I'd want to be one of those speakers that gets up and for $5,000 a night takes your money and helps you change the way you see things. I'd be one of those promotional guys that could help you do all kinds of things and think better of yourself, and you'd pay me to do it. And I'd go count my money, and you'd go back and be the same person you was when you got there. No refunds, okay? So all of that stuff, I'll tell you, no one... Can change a life like Jesus Christ. You and I have seen it. You've seen it. Incredible stories. One of the things we're doing this year is um, from time to time people will get up here and give their testimony of changed lives. You think, sitting here in this room this morning, you think that everybody's always had a great life and you're the only one that has a story. Uh, I, I I'm the pastor here. I've had the privilege of sitting down with many of you one-on-one and hearing your story. We all have a story. We've all been changed by Jesus Christ. Some of those stories are incredible. Some of them, like mine, are quite boring. But I'll tell you what, every one of us have been affected, if not for the great change that has taken place since you met Christ. Imagine I, I was saved at four years old. I, I thought I was a good kid when I was little. Looking back on it, I was not a good kid. I was a bad kid loved by two wonderful parents. But the fact of the matter is, without Christ in a Christian home, I don't know where I would be today. He has kept me and made me who I am. And I, there is zero chance Stan Griffin would have chosen for himself what God chose for me and has protected me from so many things that I know I would have done to myself. Thank God for his presence in my life. So I know there's a God because of his word, because of creation, because of changed lives, and, and obviously because of the witness of others. And Christians have a great story to tell and to share and it's wonderful what God has done with your lives. So, obviously, we believe in faith. And we know from James chapter 1 and verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or get excited when trouble comes. That's what it says in the Stan Griffin paraphrase. Whenever you run into a tough time, woohoo! isn't this great? Is that how you take that? Am I all alone in this? Fact is, I've never thought that when trouble came. But that, you know what's happening in the book of James? They were followers of Jesus Christ and persecution came and they were scattered everywhere. They were running for their lives. That's why this book is written to saints that are scattered abroad. What happened? You would think when you came to Christ, everything is up. Boy, this is going to be so good. It's difficult to be truthful with a new believer because it's wonderful to trust Christ as your Savior. It's wonderful to have your sins forgiven. It's wonderful to know that your past is under the blood. But the truth of the matter is you've got a whole new kind of battle to be fighting. And it's not going to be easy. And the Christian life is difficult on many levels. Isn't that true? One of you agree with that. I'll give you another chance. Isn't that true? It's true. We'd love to say, oh, all your troubles are over. It wasn't for the early church. They were running for their lives. They were being killed. They were being martyred. And James says, count it all joy. Good news. Good news. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. Why? Well, There are different things that God wants to show you, and He wants to strengthen your faith. And you never learn anything from winning. We don't learn a whole lot on the good days. I've found the lessons that I've learned that I know today learned on the bad days. A weightlifter will walk up to a set of weights... And he will look at those weights, and the only way he'll know whether he can handle the weight that's on the bar is if he tries to lift them. You have to have the test. And the only way you know if your faith is real is if it's been tested. And the only way that can happen is that God allows certain tests to come into your life not for him to find out how good you are, but for you to find out whether you are, what you think you are. And I've found a lot of times I ain't anything like I thought I was. is that true? Or am I the only one that's ever had a test that I thought, well, that didn't go very well. Count it all joy. God allows adversity in our life to show us what our limits are, and to remind us of our need of Him. Why do we pray? This message is on prayer. Why do we pray? Well, I'll tell you why. A lot of times it's because there's trouble in our life. Isn't that true? A lot of times when things are smooth, going right along, and everything's fine, and going down the interstate at 70 miles an hour, and everything's going smooth, and we're just thinking life is good. And then all of a sudden, a deer runs out, or a tire blows out something happens oh my word you never did that what do you say then? help me that's when we cry out is when we recognize we're in over our heads or troubles coming and lord help otherwise and so the lord says you know stan i haven't heard from you for a while i guess you need a test And God brings that in, and he's trying to get our attention, and he shows us the condition that we are in. And the harder the test, the more memorable the moment. Do you hear me? The harder the test, the more memorable the moment. And obviously, he's teaching us to pray. James is writing to Christians that are scattered out because of their faith. You and I have written letters at times to folks that are going through a trial, And one of the things we try to do is I try to relate to what they're going through, let them know we're praying for them. I have never written to someone that is hurting and said, wow, this is so exciting. What an opportunity. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Can you imagine how well that would be received? That's what James did. Celebrate. Try it next time there's trouble in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Is that the first thing that crosses our minds? But that's what's going on when James says, faith is believing in God. Faith is asking from God. I don't know how to handle this. James chapter 1 and verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom... If you're not praying for wisdom on a regular basis in your life, you're missing on a gift that God wants to give you. Wisdom and knowledge are two different things. Tom touched on that in the adult Sunday school class. You heard him. Knowledge is what we know. Wisdom is the application of what we know. And I'll tell you what, some folks are really lousy at applying. There's a lot of people educated above their intelligence. They got a lot of knowledge. They got zero wisdom. Wisdom only comes from a relationship with God. Don't miss that. God is the source of wisdom. What we see going on in America today is not wisdom. It is the godlessness of knowledge. The application of knowledge to a godless society, and the fact is, the knowledge they are using is not God-given. So you take the evolutionary concept, the Marxist theology, the socialistic model, apart from God... That knowledge, you try to apply to society, and you and I are seeing the results of that right now. It's destroying the family, the economy, and what used to make America great and the the ability for us to stand on our own and be a shining light around the world of what capitalism and freedom can do, and we are torching that right now. That's what's happening. Brother uh, uh, Erwin Lutzer Lays out some of those things that are happening. It ought to shock you. It ought to bother you as a Christian. I know some folks will say, well, you know, Pastor, the gospel is what's important. You can't get into politics. Well, I understand what you're saying, but you know, I wonder if the Germans wish they had been a little more involved in politics in the 1930s than they were. Because by the time they got involved in politics, it was too late and they lost it. And they destroyed that country and they're still paying the price for that today. I was over in Germany a few years ago, and, and those people are wonderful. They're brilliant individuals, and I love that country. But they're still apologizing for their history because they're still hurting from it. And it's a sad, sad thing. And I want you to know the results of a godless society are, are beyond description. It's so important that we ask God for wisdom and we apply godly wisdom. Faith in believing God, faith in asking from God... And faith in thinking firmly in my God. Let me show you a couple of verses and we'll be done. Verse number six. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Verse seven. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. What's wavering in the Christian life? Well, I'll tell you. It's this. It's when you live for the world all through the week, and then you come in on Sunday and say, oh, how I love Jesus. That's wavering. I used to have a hot tub. I've given this illustration before. It's been many years. I gave the hot tub away because I was too cheap to pay the electric bill on it, but that's a different story. So let's just say while we had the hot tub, and Emily comes home, and I'm in the hot tub with Juanita. I love to talk about Juanita, okay? Okay? So, Because Juanita doesn't exist. Bar- we get Juanita from the old uh, Barney Fife things, and he's talking to Juanita on the phone. But anyway, so. so she comes home from doing whatever she's doing, and I'm in the hot tub with Juanita. And I say, oh, good, honey. I'm glad you're home. Will you make me a sandwich? <laughs> huh. You think that little prayer to my wife, prayer is asking. Do you think me asking for a sandwich from my wife while I'm in the hot tub with Juanita, you think that'll work? Well, in James, James confronts them and says, "You adulterers and your adulteresses, you think that a relationship with the world, its enmity with God, it's an enemy of God. The world is not our friend. Say that with me: The world is not our friend. I can't emphasize that enough. The world wants to destroy us. It is Satan's model." And yet, through the week, so many Christians are watching worldly movies and dressing worldly clothes and and doing worldly things, and they think they're being satisfied by that. Stop it, stop it, stop it. It's ridiculous. Think I'm throwing a tantrum? I am. (laughs) I am. I think my socks just fell down. (laughs) Really ought to buy new ones, I guess. (laughs) So, I'm in the hot tub with Juanita asking my wife for something which she's not going to honor while she goes to get her shotgun. And I'm telling you this while you and I are unstable in all our ways, and we go to the throne of God and say, Lord, will you do something for me? He's going to say, You've got to be kidding me. You think I'm going to honor your requests? Because He will not. And I'm telling you, when you join the family of God, when you ask Christ to be your Savior and forgive your sins, that is a move of repentance where you recognize the old life was wrong and you're walking forward to a new life in Jesus Christ. And if you keep looking back at the old life and going for the new life and looking back at the old life and going for the new life, that is unstable in all your ways and God will not honor that. But what God wants to do is this. In James chapter 5 and verse number 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you're unstable, confess it. Admit it. Own it. The thing that annoys the daylights out of me is when we're We're talking to someone that has been not walking the straight and narrow, as we always used to call it in the old days. and They don't want to own what they've done. All they want to talk about is, well, so-and-so's not doing it. I have a son. He's listening to the service in my office right now. says he doesn't feel well. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay? But what he does is this. Whenever we tell him to do something, well, what about Katie? Does your kids ever do that? Huh? What about so-and-so? Well, sad to say in the Christian life, a lot of times when God speaks to us about something, you know what we do? Well, what about so-and-so? They're not doing that. When you stand before God Almighty, you won't have the nerve to say, well, what about so-and-so when you're standing in front of a holy God? We need to own our sin and say we are sorry and repent from it. And if we're willing to do that, I'm telling you, you'll find that you have a new power with God you've never experienced before. And when you ask something of the Father, in faith, in God, denying yourself and living for Him, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman A righteous boy, a righteous girl, availeth much. Heavenly Father.